with the first pick in the 2021 NFL Draft, the Jacksonville Jaguars select Trevor Lawrence, quarterback Clemson. This is BetQL Daily with the Joes, Joe Ostrowski and Joe Giglio. Welcome back, BetQL Daily, right here on the BetQL Network. Joe O, Joe G with you on a Friday. As we start to look ahead here to the NFL Draft Combine next week, uh, which will give us a good glimpse of some of these prospects and and maybe kind of shake out a little bit of of how it might go in late April. Joining us out of talk some NFL Draft, Sam Monson, Pro Football Focus. Sam's going to be at the Combine next week, and the Jaguars will have the first pick again in late April. Yet in some years, you know, we kind of know. We have a feeling on who the first pick will be. We certainly did last year. It looks like it's up for grabs right now. Let's talk to Sam, who's joining us on the Roman Guest Line about this year's draft. Sam, welcome to the show and excited to chat with you about the NFL draft. Sam, last year it felt like we knew it was going to be Trevor Lawrence and then it kind of fell after that. This year, is it because the Jaguars have the first pick and it's not quarterback or really is it just total uncertainty on who the best players are? Why are we seeing so much discrepancy in, in who might be this first pick? Yeah, I think it's uh, it's one of those years where there isn't a clear quarterback prospect that's worthy of being that number one overall pick and if there was this year um you know jacksonville wouldn't be making the pick presumably because of trevor lawrence but they would trade out you know they would have suitors and we would still expect to see whoever the best quarterback prospect was in in this year go number one just probably not to jacksonville but between those two things between the jags not needing a quarterback anyway and they're not being one worthy of that spot now you get that sort of open season where we need to decide what kind of prospect goes number one in those years. And they're, they're always kind of strange. Usually the league defaults to pass rushers and to offensive tackles. And those are the two positions that get taken number one when there isn't a worthy quarterback. And that's the way it's trending right now. It's kind of a decision for Jacksonville. Do they take what could be the best defensive player on the board? And it's really a coin flip between Aiden Hutchinson from Michigan and Kayvon Thibodeau from Oregon, or do they try and uh, add to the offense and try and get some protection for Trevor Lawrence? And, and the markets certainly are, are pointing towards Evan Neal out of Alabama, but there's a couple of other offensive tackles that are maybe should be in the conversation, but I'm not sure they are. Sam, the favorite right now for the first quarterback selected is Kenny Pickett. You could see him at about plus 120, right behind. Got Malik Willis, and then down the line, Sam Howell, Matt Corral. Is there a quarterback that you expect to get some steam? I mean, I assume they're all going to get some steam with all the uh, misinformation that gets thrown out there during draft season. But but there is there one you know near the top that maybe people aren't talking about that you expect to rise up the charts? Um, I mean, it's a it's a weird group because I think you're going to see quarterback rankings all over the board, evaluations, you know, that differ from team to team, from person to person. Um, The one guy I think that probably deserves to be in the same conversation with those guys is Desmond Ritter, and he he often feels like he's on on a tier lower down in a lot of evaluations. I think he's worthy of being in that same conversation, which isn't to say that he's a top ten pick, that he's a fantastic you know, lights out quarterback prospect, but just he, I think, is in the same tier as some of these other guys. The the one quarterback, I think, that has a chance to distance himself, or at least in terms of um, hype and uh, guys looking to take him higher than, than other guy, other quarterbacks would be 
Malik Willis. I, I think given the way the NFL has gone in recent years with all these incredibly impressive, toolsy type of quarterbacks, Josh Allen, um, Justin Herbert, uh, Patrick Mahomes, these guys having a pretty good success rate of working out and translating Malik Willis is the guy with those traits. He's got an incredible arm. His highlight reel of plays is better than any of these other quarterbacks. And sure, he's got a lot of issues with his game. There's some negatives. There's some question marks there. But if a team is looking at this quarterback landscape and saying all of these guys have flaws, none of them are, you know, none of them would be in the top five picks from a year ago when we had a bunch of great quarterback prospects. So let's take a chance on the guy with upside. Let's take a chance on the guy that does have this incredible ceiling if things pan out and he develops the way we hope he will. Sam, how how would you categorize this draft? Is this uh, one of the better ones we've seen in recent years? Is this one of the weaker ones? When you look at the draft as a whole, and obviously you'll probably have an even better perspective next week after the combine and being there, but but would you look at this as a draft where it's it's really strong at the top or, or more of a weaker draft compared to recent years? I think, honestly, it's an average draft. Um, I don't think it's a strong or a weak one. I think it's probably going to get talked about as a relatively weak draft because it looks strange without the quarterbacks at the top, which is what we're normally used to seeing. You know, last year there was talk before the draft that five quarterbacks could go in the first six picks, and it didn't end up quite going that way. It went one, two, three, and then by pick number 15, the five were gone. But that's what we expect to see from a draft in in today's NFL. We expect to see those quarterbacks go right at the top of the draft and and then everything looks kind of normal. This year, it's going to be different. You might not see a quarterback in the top 10 at all. And if you do, it might be one. Um, So all of a sudden, you start to look at a draft that has defensive players, you know, maybe one, two, three, that has offensive tackles in the top 10, a bunch of them. And it just sort of, I think it changes perception. It, It warps what people think of the draft overall, but I think it is, it's a decent class, but it's not a great one. You, you can look at a bunch of different positions and compare them to a year ago and say, you know, the really elite players are not quite as good as the ones from a season ago, but the depth is better in a lot of different areas as well. So I think ultimately it probably falls somewhere in the middle and and it's just a, a, an average um, draft at this point. Sam, we're always interested in the quarterbacks and we already addressed that position. But what about some of the other groups? If uh, if for some fans out there that don't have the time to to sit there and watch every moment of the combine, uh, which which group would you go out of your way to to make sure that you watch? Because uh, there could be some movement here. I think it's a really strong edge rusher group. Um, Obviously, we talked about the two guys at the top, Hutchinson and Thibodeau. Uh, but you don't have to go much further down to find a lot of other uh, edge rushers that I think can be impact playmakers at the next level. And the depth is really impressive. And the the reports are that a lot of these guys, they're not just good players. They're not just impressive prospects, but a lot of them are freaky athletes that are going to have incredible combines and are going to post some pretty spectacular workout numbers. And obviously that always gets excitement going and, whether or not it actually affects their draft stock or not inside NFL war rooms, it, it definitely gets the attention and gets noticed uh, amongst people that are interested in the draft. So I think generally the edge rusher group is a position group to, to pay attention to. It's also not the best group in the world in terms of free agency. So it, it's a good time to have a really strong edge rusher class because 
there might be a lot of teams out there that don't get what they want in NFL free agency and are still in need of upgrading in terms of pass rush. Sam, when you get, when you look at these prospects, um, has there been something that that's correlated more than something else or other things over when you guys at Pro Football Focus try to grade these guys and look at who's going to translate to the NFL? Is it college production? Is it measurables? I mean, NFL teams have been trying to figure this out for years. It's why the draft's such a crapshoot. Do you have anything that you look at and it kind of gives you a feel like, all right, I, I believe in this kid or this kid I, I'm not so sure about when it comes to evaluating college prospects to the NFL? Yeah, there's a lot of things. I think the problem with it is it's not an exact science, and it's all a case of um, sort of weighing all these pieces of information and figuring out what matters and what doesn't and what correlates and what doesn't. Um, a lot of measurable stuff is not how fast he's running, how high is he jumping. It's it's almost using it as a cutoff, you know, and, and if you don't clear this line, if you don't have measurables that are better than this, we're probably taking you off the board, not because you can't succeed, but because the chances of you succeeding are so much smaller and it's just not smart to buy into freak outliers. You know, this guy might be the unicorn. He might be the rare player that bucks the trend and is able to succeed despite falling short of, of these, this measurable line. But most NFL teams are just not going to want to take that chance. And then there's, there's various PFF uh, areas of grading that have shown to be really strongly or really tightly correlated to immediate NFL success. Our pass rush grades for edge rushers and interior players, I think, have been really good indicators. Um, but only once you clear, again, once you clear a certain line, if you have a really elite college pass rushing grade, those guys have translated really well to the NFL level. Guys like, you know, Joey and Nick Bosa, uh, Miles Garrett, and obviously these are some of the best prospects we've seen come along, but the guys that have cleared that threshold of really phenomenal grading. And Aiden Hutchinson is one of those guys. Um, those guys haven't just been good NFL players, but they've been good NFL players from day one. Like they've come in, hit the ground running and dominated. And there's a couple of other position groups where if you've been a, a really elite college player in terms of play-by-play grading, your chances of translating are very good. Sam, enjoyed your piece the other day on PFF.com about the Rams blueprint and, you know, right on schedule. We all, all of us always talk about, okay, the, these are the two teams that made it to the Super Bowl copycat league. So how can you replicate it? I, I felt my takeaway from your piece and tell me if I'm wrong was kind of like, yeah, ev everybody who can upgrade a quarterback is going to try to do that. And that's a big piece of that. They already had some terrific things in place with the Rams and they got criticized for kicking the can down the road, but it worked for them. But let's not forget that they had a lot of late picks and they hit on a lot of late picks to improve their depth. I, I felt like the point of your piece was this was really a perfect storm. So you can try to do this, but, uh, but good luck being the Rams of next year. Yeah, and you're right. There's a couple of points. The, the first one being, if you're going to try and copy what they're doing, you can't start from, like, the final step. You know, the, the, the Rams, not quite the final step, but, like, the, the last big piece of the puzzle for the Rams was getting the quarterback upgrade. But they only did that because they thought this was already a playoff team that was just sort of stalling and hitting a glass ceiling and needed a change to take them from being – you know, a one-win playoff team to winning the Super Bowl. Um, and that was the, the move that was big enough to make that happen. And even then, it required Matthew Stafford being better in the postseason than he was in the regular season. If they had gotten regular season 
Matthew Stafford for that postseason run, they might not have made it the whole way or they might not have won the Super Bowl. Um, but point two is you, you need to pay attention to what the Rams actually did if you're going to copy it rather than just buy into this idea of they trade away all their draft assets, they're only interested in veteran players, they went all in for this one year, um, and that was the plan. It's, it's more nuanced than that, and they don't just trade away all their draft picks. As much as they traded away you know, every first-round pick from like 2016 to, to 2024, I think is the next time they're going to have one, they pick on average like nine times a season. Like they don't trade away all their draft picks. They manage to backfill and pick up a bunch in terms of compensatory draft picks. They trade down. They, they make sure that they still pick a lot in the draft. And, okay, they're less valuable picks. They're not those first and second rounders typically where the, uh, the players are most likely to make an immediate impact um, because they've decided that the value for those is actually more in trading them away for proven NFL veteran commodities, but they do keep picking. I think that's an important part of the whole strategy that they buy enough lottery tickets in those mid to late rounds to hit on just enough of those players to be able to plug them in and augment the superstar guys that they have traded for and that they have got a ton of money and draft picks invested in. And that whole collective then works when you get an upgrade. So if you're a team out here, you know, looking at what the Rams did and saying, how do we replicate that plan? I don't think you can get there quickly. Um, but the one sort of takeaway or the one actionable piece of information I think that teams might start to take from what the Rams did is this whole ethos of nothing is more valuable than draft picks and you, you build everything through the draft and those first-round picks are, are the best thing you could possibly have. I think the Rams might be changing that and saying, you know what, what the only point in having those first-round draft picks is to get good players, is to get players that upgrade your roster. If you can take them and flip them to somebody for one of those players, you're kind of you're short-circuiting the system. You're, you're taking a shortcut and you know, getting to the end without having to go through the development curve. And, okay, it might cost you a bit more, but it's worth it if you're getting a guy that makes that immediate upgrade. Sam, about 30 seconds left. Uh, if there's one position or one player that you really want to focus on and see next week, uh, who would it be? If you could park yourself and watch any one player next week at the Combine, who are you most interested in? Um, I'm really interested in the wide receiver group generally. I think it's a, it's a strange collection of receivers. There's a lot of different body types and, and sort of position roles and all those kinds of things. But I'm fascinated in what kind of show – Traylon Burks, the wide receiver from Arkansas, can put on. He is a big-bodied receiver who is blazing fast on tape. If he blows the doors off the combine, like his stock could absolutely skyrocket. Sam, excited to watch it next week. Excited to read and uh, and listen to all your coverage. We appreciate you hopping on. There was Sam Watson for Pro Football Focus on the Roman Guest Line. Get a free online evaluation, ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home, go to GetRoman.com slash Beck. You'll now to get $15 off your first month. That's GetRoman.com slash Beck. Well, yes, the combine starts next week. I'm excited to see how all these prospects play out and how it moves the market for the NFL draft. When we get back, we'll talk about who will be calling these players when they get to the NFL. This carousel for broadcasters has begun. Aikman to ESPN. Who's next? Joe O, Joe G. It's Beck UL Daily on the Beck UL Network. You're locked in to BetQL Daily with the Joes. Joe Ostrowski and Joe Gillio.
from BetQL.